Um, good morning. Um, I usually go on Facebook once or twice in a day, and I, I went on it this morning uh, very briefly. And uh, I, I must confess I had a laugh when I saw somebody had posted on Facebook, come and hear the one and only Jim McGlade. <laughs> so, so here I am. <laughs> the one and only, wow, you, you want to be thankful to God that I, I am. <laughs> The only one and only. Um, Carl has given me the freedom just to um, share with you whatever uh, I, I feel is upon my heart. Um, I, I just don't have the time because of my situation to kind of uh, put myself under unnecessary pressure trying to get sermons centered around a particular book, like the book of James. Uh, Carl, I thought, was fantastic last week. I have to, I have to say that was, a, that was a standout sermon to me. That really was. So I'm sorry I can't take part in things like that. Um, but uh, I, I do uh, have something that has been upon my heart. Uh, maybe you'd like to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And my timekeeper, Colin, will... Always let me know if I exceed 30 minutes when I, when I preach. If you can put up 30 minutes for me when you're doing exceptionally well, okay? First um, <laughs> Peter chapter 2. This is a, a fantastic portion of Scripture. First Peter chapter 2. Therefore, uh, that connects us with the previous chapter where... Um, Peter talks about the living and abiding word of God, so it's important that we see that connection. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. Now, I would include that there should be there uh, the pure spiritual milk of the word. Some translations have that. The NIV, for some reason, doesn't. So that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted it, that the Lord is good. As you come to him, that is Jesus, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which, also, which is also what they are destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. That's a great, that's a great um, passage of scripture, isn't it? Just a while ago, um, a while ago, maybe a couple of months ago, I, I went to see the uh, remake of the Walt Disney movie, The Lion King. How many, how many have seen it? Yes. Uh, I, went with, I went with Joe Boston, I think it was, I went with. That young man is leading me astray, but never mind, okay. Um, but there was, um, there was one part that always stands out to me. Uh, Simba, one of the main characters, if not the main character in, in, in the movie, he's having a, an identity crisis. He's, he's uh, in a crisis. He's feeling a bit sorry for himself. He sees no future for himself. When all of a sudden, beyond the clouds, he hears the voice of his father, Mufasa. And Mufasa, he yells down to his son and he says, Simba! Remember who you are. How many remember that? Simba, remember who you are. It, it is my conviction this morning that God wants to remind us of, of who we are. And in this fantastic portion of scripture that I've read to you, uh, Peter, he's just reminding these Christians who are scattered over five different areas, he's just reminding them of, of who they are. For instance, they are, they are newborn babies. They are, they are living stones. They are a, a spiritual house. They are a, a holy priesthood. They are, they are strangers and foreigners. Guess what? This world is not our home. Like the old song used to say, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. We are strangers and aliens in, in this world. And so he uses all of these descriptions and metaphors just to remind God's people of who they are. Say to the person next year, don't forget who you are. Would you do that for me, please? <laughs> don't forget who you are. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> but in... Reminding these people who they are, he also, for me, paints a, a beautifully balanced picture of the Christian life. And I, I suppose, basically, that's what I want to talk about this morning, just keeping the balance in our, in, in our lives as, as, the, uh, as the people of God. It is important that we don't get lopsided, that we don't emphasize one thing beyond another thing. We need to keep things in balance. So it will become self-explanatory as I get into my message this morning. And I think five minutes have gone past already. So, so cheer up. Cheer up. First of all, as, as newborn babies, we need to grow. Notice what he says here. He says, um, like newborn babies, crave 
pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now, I don't think that Peter has in mind here uh, uh, new Christians. I think basically what he is saying is that throughout our Christian lives, whether we have been saved five years or 50 years, uh, our desire for God and, and, and his word must be like the desire a newborn baby has for milk. Now, when a, a newborn baby comes into the world, uh, uh, a newborn baby is not too interested in, in what mom and dad is going to dress him in. Newborn baby is not interested in the color of the pram. A newborn baby has only one obsession. You know what that is? And you know when they want this obsession. No, they want milk. And they let you know they cry. They, they, they ball their head off on, until they have what they want. And what they want is milk. We're all familiar with the story of, of Moses when he went in to, to Pharaoh and, and he said to, to Pharaoh uh, a message from God. He says, uh, God says, let my people go. <laughs> well, I believe that what God is saying to us today is this, let my people grow. Grow. There are too many babies. Babies are wonderful, aren't they? I mean, I've always loved all my babies and my grandchildren, but you know what? I would get very concerned if they stayed babies. I want to see them growing. And when it comes to growing in our Christian faith, then the Word of God is absolutely indispensable. Now, notice what Peter says in this epistle. In the first chapter, just backtracking a little bit, in chapter 1, verse 23, he says, for, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. All men are like grass, and all, all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And then he says, and this is the word that was preached to you. And then he says, therefore... Rid yourselves of all these things that will ruin your appetite and crave the pure spiritual milk of the Word. Do you know what? In chapter 1, he describes the Word of God as a seed because it brings life. Aren't you glad for that day when you heard the message that God loved you, Christ died for you, you believed that message, and, and, the, and the seed of God's Word brought life in your heart? Are you glad about that day? Well, that same word that brought life is the same word that now sustains that life and enables us to grow. If, if surveys are anything to go by, and I, I don't always know how accurate these surveys are, but if these surveys are accurate and correct, then it's very disturbing because they, they tell me that a large portion of, of Christians, the only time they ever read the Bible is when they come to church. And if that's true, that bothers me. Friends, you need to get into God's Word a lot. <laughs> 
You need to come to those groups where we talk about the Word of God. You need to come to places where you hear the Word of God preached. But you and your own personal discipline need to get into God's Word because if you don't, you are cutting yourself off from that which is one of the main supplies whereby God will cause you to grow up in your salvation because the Word of God is nourishment to our souls. It builds us up. I like the story about a... Um, a group of tourists were in this very picturesque village and there was this old man sitting by his, his fence and, and, and one of the tourists said to this old gentleman, he said, uh, any, any famous men or women born in this town? And the old gentleman said, nope, only babies. <laughs> but babies have got to grow. This is what I would call our, our self-word responsibility. As newborn babies, we need to grow. Get into God's word. I plead with you. Get into God's word. Secondly, so as newborn babies, we need to grow. But secondly, as, as living stones, and Richard, you almost robbed me of my thunder this morning, but I'll, I'll forgive you for that, okay? Verse 5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Now, I just love how Peter changes the imagery here. He, he goes from a, uh, a nursery uh, where a child is being uh, fed on milk, and, and he takes us to a, a, a building site where, where stones are being arranged and this spiritual house is being built. He, he goes from a baby wanting milk to uh, this magnificent building that God is building. And, and guess what? God is building something, isn't he? God is building his church. God is building his church here in Chesterfield. And God is doing that in spite of everything that is happening in the world today. There are some places where Christians are going through terrible persecution, China being one. And I've heard recently, speaking to my son the other day, that it seems to have uh, uh, gone full circle again. And the Christians there are, are experiencing in incredible persecution. In spite of what people say about the church and the, and the abuse that they heap upon the church, like, like your man, the atheist guy, who Dawkins, is that his name? Like, in spite of all that, God is building his church. Are you glad about that? Well, one or two of you are, okay. I'm glad about it. God is building his church with living stones. Now, in this passage of Scripture, we haven't got time to look at it in any kind of detail, but from verse 4 right through to verse uh, 8, uh, the main stone that we read about is, is, is Jesus Christ, and he's described as, as the living stone. Jesus is the living stone. I, I love songs that deal with the resurrection of Jesus, don't you? In fact, I, dare I say it, I was almost hopping the other Sunday because the resurrection of Christ always it strikes a chord <laughs> in my heart, and I feel like I just want to dance. So if you see me doing that, please excuse me. It's just one of my many faults, I suppose. But he's described as the living stone, and then he's described as the cornerstone. And if there's any builders here, I've been told that a, a cornerstone is fundamentally important 
to be placed so that all the other stones are being put in the, in the right place. He's, he's described as the, as the rejected stone, uh, the, the stumbling stone. Uh, he said that those who believe on this stone, to him he is precious. Jesus is a precious living stone. Thank God for that. So he's described in all these ways. But guess what? In that verse of scripture that I've read to you, it says that we're living stones. You also like living stones. Now, you've heard that expression, haven't you? Stone dead. Well, we have been, we have been made a lot. Now, as far as I know, that's the only place in the New Testament where Christians are described as living stones. You've heard of, you've heard of the Rolling Stones, haven't you? Come on, that's all together. I can't get, no, come on, no. <laughs> you say, what's that Irish idiot doing? <laughs> Why do they allow him to even preach? You know, I don't know. <laughs> Must be desperate. You, well, you've heard, you've heard, you've heard of the Rolling Stones. You, 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 you may have heard of the Blarney Stone. Yeah. I had the opportunity to kiss it on one occasion, and I said, there's no way I'm going to kiss that. Imagine all the germs. It gives you... It gives you the gift of the gab, so that's why, that's why I wouldn't let my wife kiss it. You know, I said, you're not, imagine what it would have done to her. Like, <laughs> but, you know, rolling stones, Barney, but, but we're living stones. Wow. Living stones. We were once dead, and now, now we are stones that have been made alive in Christ. And then it says we are stones that are identified with Christ because Peter says here, as Jesus, as, as Jesus is the living, you also are living stones. And then he says we are, we are intrigated stones because he says like living stones, he says, are being built into a spiritual house. We're being integrated into this spiritual house as living stones. In other words, I need you, and you need me. Sorry, I'm starting to get a bit depressed here. Now, now. No, you need me as much as I need you. Because God is building these living stones into this spiritual house. Who knows who Old Blue Eyes is? Remember Old Blue Eyes? Somebody, who is he? Yeah, yeah. I like that song, New York, New York, but that's not the one I'm thinking about. Old Blue Eyes, he used to sing a song. Should I sing it to you? <laughs> no, I won't. Love and marriage, love and marriage, go together like a horse and carriage. Go on, sing it, sing it. <laughs> it's not going to do it. This, I tell you, brother, you can have one without the... Yeah, very good. Look, when it comes to Jesus and the church, let me tell you this, my brother and sister. You can't have one without the other. I am stuck with you, and you were stuck with me. Isn't that wonderful? 
We need one another. And whatever God is doing in your life, it cannot be divorced from the church of Jesus Christ. You might say, but well, what about the hypocrisies? Yeah, we know there's hypocrisies in the church. We know that there's inconsistencies. We've all probably been a bit hypocritical from time to time, haven't we? That's, that's, that's be honest. Yep, church has got its problems. Every church has its problems and goes through difficult times. We, 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 we know that. But friends, I want to tell you this. In spite of that, it's not the will of God that you set up shop on your own and go it alone. Because your destiny cannot be divorced from the church of Jesus Christ. These living stones are being built. You see, a stone on itself is not much good, is it really? But it, it, it fulfills its purpose when it becomes part of that massive building that God is creating and building. Isolation. That's why it's important to connect. And if you're not in a, in a connect group, I, I, I would encourage you to get in a, a house group and, and connect. And I suppose you're the man to see about that, are you, Rich? The operational manager? I bow, I bow before you <laughs> in deep humility. <laughs> you're not getting a big head about that, are you? No, operational. No, you know, keep humble. Keep humble all the time. All right. Yeah. Yeah. How many remember that program called Cheers that used to come on television years ago? It was a, it was a, a Boston uh, bar, and it became quite popular at one time. And they say that one of the things that attracted people to that was the fact that, that it, it was all about relationships, people making meaningful connections. Look, we all need meaningful connections and God is building stones into the spiritual house as living stones we need to get connected so our selfward responsibility is to grow and our churchward responsibility is to connect now let me go on quickly here thirdly As holy priest, notice what he says here. You also like living stones being built into the spiritual to be a holy priesthood. As, as holy priest, we need to worship. Now he's gone from the infantry. Is that right? Infantry? Where a child is brought up? Yeah. I saw infantry has something to do with soldiers, isn't it? Number no, sorry. <laughs> Nursery, yeah, yeah, nursery. He's gone from a nursery to a building site. Now, now he goes to these holy priests in this, this temple. And he says, now, now what, do, what do holy priests do? Well, they, they, they worship, don't they? they? They offer spiritual sacrifices. So here's our, here's our upward responsibility. It's to, it's to offer spiritual sacrifices. Now, now in, in the Old Testament, incidentally, in this passage of Scripture, Peter, he draws from the Old Testament quite a lot. It's very interesting to see that. He seems to have been uh, steeped in the Old Testament. But here he says that uh, a holy priesthood, the priests in the Old Testament, they basically had two functions. Um, they, they had access to God, albeit only once a year on the great day of atonement. And then in addition to that, they, 
they, they, they made sacrifices. Now we're living in the light of, of the new covenant, aren't we? Now, thank God, we have access to God. Anytime, anywhere, we have access to God. And also, we bring, we bring sacrifices. Now, in the Old Testament, when they brought their sacrifices, somebody would bring a, a lamb or a, an oxen or whatever, whatever it is, and they brought it to the priest, and they would put, place their hands upon, upon the head of what is to be sacrificed. And symbolically, all their faults and failures were transferred to the innocent Animal. Now, I know you probably got enough faults and failures of your own, Richard, like all of us do, but I'm going to give you mine for a second, okay? And so symbolically, they were transferred. But only the priest could sacrifice it, could sacrifice the animal. And here we are in the light of the new covenant, and God says, we are holy priests, and what do holy priests do? They offer their sacrifices. I didn't know that we are breaking bread this morning, but it seems so fitting that we do it in, in the light even of what I'm talking about. It was the great cricketer C.T. Studd who said, and I love this quote, if Jesus Christ be God and gave himself for me, then no sacrifice is too great for me. That's powerful, I think. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? Do you believe that he gave himself for you? Then no sacrifice is too great. The spiritual sacrifices that we can bring. The, the Bible talks about at least eight sacrifices that we can give. So if I can spend about 10 minutes on each of these eight. <laughs> no, don't worry. I'm looking at my timekeeper there. He's looking at me as well. <laughs> well, some of the sacrifices we can give. Uh, our bodies. Romans 12 says about uh, giving our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Therefore, because of the mercies of God, give your, give your bodies a living sacrifice. We've, we've done it this morning. Hebrews 13 talks about our, our praise. Bring to God the sacrifice of our, of our praise. We, 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 we've done that. Did, did you realize also that when we give money, uh, Philippines chapter 4, verse 19, did you realize that that is an offering, that is a sacrifice? Did you realize that when you give money, that you're an actual fact worshiping God? Do you know, I have, to, I have to tell you this, one of the things that impressed me about the church when I came to it first was that you didn't take up an offering for a start, and there wasn't a 10, 15-minute sermon before the offering was taken, but you were just, we were just reminded it's good to give. Now, just because they don't do that in this church doesn't mean that they don't need your money, because they do. No church can function without money. So I would encourage you, bring it as a, an act of worship and offering and sacrifice and give. Because in fact, you're not giving to this church, but you're giving, it's an offering that you're giving to Jesus. Just imagine if Jesus was out in the corridor and I was to say to you now, now we're gonna take up an offering for Jesus. 
I bet you he'd, I bet he'd have a pretty good offering, wouldn't he? Do you think so? I think he would. Well, let's, let's bring our sacrifice, this offering of even monetary things, and, and give it to God. Did you ever hear of a fellow called Count Zinzendorf? I didn't think you would. Never mind. But he was, a, he, he was the founder of the Moravian Brethren. How am I doing for time? Oh, my timekeeper's up there. Man. Five minutes. Okay. He stood. He, he was the founder of a, a group called the Moravian Brethren. And he stood one day before a portrait of, of Christ with a, a crown of thorns. It was called Eki Eki Homo, which basically translated means, Behold the man. And underneath were these words, All this I did for thee, what will you do for me? Jesus, he did this for us. What will we now do for him? Last point. Self-word, responsibility, balance, grow, church-word, responsibility, connect, God-word or upward responsibility, worship. But we have the last one here. As, as God's people, notice what he says here. But you were a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy name, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, are as God's possession, our responsibility is an outward one. We need to, we need to witness. Now, we've been looking at ourselves, we've been looking at the church, we've been looking at our relationship with God, but what about this world? Are, are, we, are we just like a spiritual ghetto? Are we going to keep this blessing to ourselves? Unfortunately, some churches have almost gone on that route. It's just so inward looking. Friends, I want to tell you what God has done in our lives. And once again, Peter is quoting from the Old Testament. He's taking a verse of scripture that was applied to uh, the Jews of old. And, and God's purpose for them was that they might be a witness to the nations. That was always his intention. But now he says in relation to the church, God wants you to be a witness to the nations that you might declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How balanced the passage of scripture can you get in all of the Bible? Declare the praises. When, when I go through customs, when I go through customs, I don't travel so much these days, but you, you have a choice when you go through customs. There's one entrance that said nothing to declare, and another one says something to declare. And, uh, you know, when you go through the one that says nothing to declare, you feel a bit uneasy, don't you, when those guys are standing there thinking, they're pull outside, what have you got to declare? But you know what? Sometimes I feel as if I should go through that one where, where it says something to declare, and I should say, I've got something to declare. <laughs> Jesus is the Savior of the world. <laughs> Jesus is the Son of God. <laughs> Jesus is the Lord of the earth. I feel... I feel uh, maybe I should get the nerve to do it someday, should I? But friends, look, we have got something to declare. 
We're not a spiritual ghetto. We can't keep this to ourselves. God has showed us mercy. He has made us his possession. Now, I want to say two things ever so quickly, and I, I won't take more than two minutes to do this. First of all, we need to verbally declare the praises of him who has called us out of We need to vocalize our testimony. God has made us his position, possession. He's, he's showed mercy upon us. So we need to, great fan of, of John Wesley, I was the other day, and even this morning, I was walking past an old Wesley, Wesleyan chapel. And John Wesley, as he was dying, he said, My breath is almost gone, but I am content in the knowledge that the breath that God has given to me, I have used to proclaim Christ to the people. <laughs> wow. I like that. So it needs to be verbally declared. But could I say something else? It needs to be visually declared as well. Because Peter in this passage, he says, as strangers and foreigners, abstain from fleshly lust. That's what Carl was talking about, abstaining from certain things that, that the people in the world would just give in to and abstain from them. So, so that they'll look at your life and they'll say, wow, and I believe that by my lifestyle, and not just by my words, I can be proclaiming the excellency of the one who has called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Gypsy Smith was a well-known evangelist going back many years ago. And he used to say there are five Gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But there's also the Christian. Because for you and for me, we're the only gospel that some people are going to read. And I hope it's good news. I hope in my life they'll see the good news. I'm declaring the excellencies of the one who's called me out of darkness into his wonderful light. Selfward responsibility. Grow. Churchward responsibility. Connect. Upward responsibility. Worship, outward responsibility, declaring the praises of the one who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. All my people, Simba, remember who you are. Bless you. Thank you.